I'm Scott Paul, and this is the Manufacturing Report. Overnight, it seems, our world has changed. Schools are closing around the country, mass gatherings are canceled, and companies are navigating a dramatically different economic landscape than just a few days ago. As COVID-19, the novel coronavirus that has swept through the world, continues to spread, so too do the long-term impacts that it leaves in its wake. Our focus as a nation needs to be on stopping this virus and its tracks. But as America emerges from this crisis, we also need to take stock of what we've learned in the process. Next on the Manufacturing Report, AAM's own Cat Adams and I are going to discuss what COVID-19 means for American manufacturing. Over to you, Cat. Thank you, Scott, for sitting down with me and talking through this a little bit. I know a lot has changed for a lot of people and things continue to evolve. First of all, what do the coronavirus and the measures put in place to stop its spread mean for American manufacturing right now? What are you hearing? So, Kat, I think that there's a couple of layers to this. I mean, one is obviously every manufacturer around the country has had to think about contingency plans and Remote work is obviously easier for some types of technology and services, but when you're making things, unless you're completely dependent on robots, and virtually no one is, thankfully, it involves humans. And so from just a human resources point of view, every factory owner has had to think about the precautions that go into all of that. On a more macro level, obviously there's going to be some economic impact on virtually every manufacturer out there. There'll be different impacts depending on how exposed a supply chain is to China, for example, which may mean a problem getting all the parts that a manufacturer needs to assemble a product. It may mean a decrease in demand because in a time like this, quite honestly, who's going to go out and buy a washing machine? I mean, it's just you're just not going to do it. And so Inventories will pile up, and what happens in the United States is that manufacturers will ratchet back their production. And unfortunately for some factories, that means that workers will be working fewer hours. In some cases, we may see some layoffs, but it will undoubtedly have some impact on those types of manufacturers. And then there are the handful of manufacturers that will see an extraordinary boost in demand for their products. If you think about things like hand sanitizers, protective products for people like gloves and surgical masks, obviously some for healthcare providers, some for the public, you're going to see a spike in demand for products like that. And that obviously has implications for that sector of manufacturing. So everybody's coping with this. And I don't know exactly when we'll see data that shows what the impact has been. But I think most people are going into this pretty clear-eyed that there's going to be some disruption and that it's going to have some negative impact on virtually every manufacturer. I think the question for many of them is just how do they manage it? And that's one of the questions we don't know the answer to yet. Do you see any long-term impact possibly coming up from this that you can anticipate? I mean, obviously, that's a very evolving situation. Well, I think there's a couple of things that manufacturers will do and that a crisis like this kind of forces forward some thinking. And one of that is related to supply chains and companies that have been heavily dependent on parts from China 
are really exposed from an economic perspective by the coronavirus. And just in the same way as you saw some manufacturers diversify their supply chains after the disruption in Japan because of the Fukushima, the earthquake, and the aftermath of that, I think that this will cause a reckoning in some manufacturers that have been overly dependent on China. Now, that doesn't mean that all of that manufacturing would come back to the United States, but it means that some of it might, and some of it is likely to go elsewhere, places like Mexico or Vietnam or Indonesia or what have you. And just the last part of that is that manufacturers that are involved specifically in the health sector, I think are also going to look at what it means to be so exposed to China. And we've done a lot of reporting on that, and I know you have as well, is that you have a very vulnerable pharmaceutical and medical sector in the United States that in many cases is entirely too dependent on supplies, products, raw materials coming from China. And that's causing a serious concern. I mean, one of the great examples is just with regard to protective face masks, is that we have about 1% of what we need here. In a public health crisis that lasts sometimes, we probably would need 3 billion face masks in this country. We make about 1% of that. And that's a dangerous vulnerability. Yeah, that's scary. So one response to this crisis has been from business CEOs and some members of Congress suggesting that we lift tariffs that we put on Chinese products. Is this something that would actually be helpful when we're looking at addressing this? So I think in a very limited number of cases, the lifting tariffs makes sense if it is for a product that is essential to the coronavirus response something that we unfortunately don't manufacture here and that there's no other source for, I think lifting the tariffs in that case makes perfect sense. Unfortunately, I think that there is a broader effort by some CEOs, some business groups, some lawmakers who didn't like the tariffs in the first place, who see this as an excuse or or taking advantage of a crisis to suggest that we lift the tariffs more broadly, and somehow that would have a stimulative effect on the economy. That, to me, is pretty dubious, I will say. And especially when you consider, at the end of the day, there's little evidence that direct American consumers have borne the expense of the tariffs. Inflation prices haven't gone up all that much for goods that we're getting from China. So I don't know that any of those savings would be passed along to consumers either. And there may be better ways to directly help people who may be economically impacted by this public health crisis. Yeah, so what is the appropriate response from Congress right now? So I think that both markets and others have suggested that regardless of what the Federal Reserve may do about shoring up loan facilities or expanding the monetary supply, that what markets, and I think most citizens want more than anything else, is to know that there is a solid, well-thought-out public health response to all of this that is going to reduce the impact or, as the public health professionals say, flatten the curve of this coronavirus. And so that's, I think, the direction that Congress is headed right now is to look at kind of the immediate things. And, you know, by the time this podcast hits the air, it's quite possible that a deal would have been struck on this already 
One of the suggestions that we saw, and, and this was kind of alarming to me, is that you lift the steel tariffs, going back to something that you don't want to do. And it makes entirely no sense because, unfortunately, something that's happened in China is that the steel mills, while they have slowed down production, they're still making way too much. And there are even fewer buyers for that steel. So it is piling up in inventories. It's going to push the price down. And if you want a flood of steel coming into the United States, that would be a very bad thing for our steel mills in particular and would cause a number of them to shut down or to cut back. And that's the exact thing that you don't want to see. From an economic perspective, like after we get through this immediate crisis, what do we need to focus on? I think there'll be some effort focused on the services and retail sectors, because frankly, they will be harder hit than manufacturing. People are stopped going out. They're stopped going to events. They're stopping traveling. That's an immediate thing. I mean, manufacturing will see some impact. But I think this is the right time to consider some sort of stimulative activity that could have a long-lasting and good impact for the United States, something like infrastructure investment that lawmakers have been talking about for years that would certainly put people to work, that would stimulate demand for materials, and that would have a long-term benefit for our economy. I think that makes perfect sense. I think lawmakers, and they have been doing this already, will be looking at efforts to try to bolster our own supply chains and our own ability to make some of these critical public health types of products from medicines to supplies that we don't have the capacity to do right now. And there have been a number of bills introduced. And by the way, I'd encourage our listeners to follow along on our blog, Manufacture This at AmericanManufacturing.org, because we've been covering this virtually every day about what sorts of helpful things the Congress could be doing right now. Things are changing quite quickly, day to day, obviously. But if we do see a national recession or even a, a global recession, what does that mean for American manufacturing in the aftermath of this virus? Yeah. So, you know, we may well see a recession. It wouldn't be terribly surprising. And you usually find out you're in a recession after it starts, not before it. And so it may be a number of months before we know that. But a couple of things that we know about manufacturing is that, based on past recessions, is that it is slower to recover than almost any other sector of the economy. And so, to me, that indicates that while manufacturing may not see the types of mass layoffs that we saw in the Great Recession, where well over a million manufacturing workers lost their jobs, we may in fact see some longer-term weakness in demand that something like infrastructure investment could help make up for in the future. And so I think that's something that I guess is a silver lining in all of this, is that hopefully we will re-examine ways where we can have a sustainable manufacturing base. And along with what I said about a new focus on bringing some supply chains back to the United States, that might, over the long term, have a modestly positive benefit for manufacturing as companies, as our policymakers evaluate the impact that globalization and an overdependence on China has on our ability to respond to the crisis like this, both from an acute perspective and also from a longer-term perspective as well. It sounds like we have a lot of things that we need to, to take stock of and, and reevaluate, but we have a path forward when we clear this hurdle. Yeah, we're resilient. And once we get past the immediate shock of this public health crisis, we can 
talk about a day of a return to normalcy. We're not quite there yet. But I know that as we are talking, there are a ton of people that are still going out every day that are making products that make our country great. There are workers that are making those products. We're committed to bringing those stories to our audience, and we'll have some podcasts focused on that in the weeks ahead. And we also want to make sure that uh, if there is some economic shock from this that is profound, that uh, the factory sector gets the help that it needs and that workers who are put out of jobs get the help that they need. Because that's something, I'll, I'll be quite honest, that our country has been really bad at in the past. And my hope is that we have learned from that and will help with that adjustment and absorbing that shock because it's really, really important that our policymakers get it right. It certainly is. This is very helpful to hear, and I hope everyone stays well and that we do go back to normal, that that's on our horizon for sure. That's right. For now, people should listen to what their public health officials are telling them to do. And again, it's a good time to check in on our blog because we're reporting about what is happening in Washington in terms of response to this, as well as what manufacturers are doing and presenting some of those issues that we need to be thinking about in the longer term like realigning our supply chain and just how dependent we are on China for things like pharmaceutical ingredients, a situation that should change in the future so that we can have a more resilient approach if we confront a public health crisis like this. Well, thank you, Scott. I hope everyone stays well and that you and your family and everyone can head out to buy some great Made America products very soon. And that will do it for the Manufacturing Report this week. As always, I want to thank AAM staff and Kat Adams in particular for their great work to make this episode possible, and for you, the listeners, for engaging with us and for giving us great episode ideas. You can find us online at AmericanManufacturing.org. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or you can connect with us on Twitter at Keep It Made in USA. I'm Scott Paul, and until next time, together we can keep it made in America.